Hello, this is Persevere to Excel blog. I am so excited for our conversation today. Lucky me. I have a special guest, Fred Bomonte. Um, Fred, welcome to Persevere to Excel podcast. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm hanging out with you. How can I be anything else but great? Oh, super, super, super. Well, Fred, <laughs> I am so excited to have you on today. Uh, we've been good friends for a very long time. Yep. And um, you're one of the person I thought about right away. I was like, oh, I got to have Fred in this podcast. So Fred, Lucky welcome, me. welcome, welcome. Super. I'm excited to be here. Awesome. So we just celebrated Thanksgiving last week. Um, I would love to hear from you. Um, what, what are you thankful for? Oh, my God. I have so much to be thankful for. I'm a blessed person. Um, and, uh, you know, top on my blessing, near the top anyway, is the fact that I live in the United States of America. Mm. And to me, you know, uh, and we live in here, we, we start off on third base. And um, we... Um, uh, we don't worry about, um, you know, war, pestilence, uh, um, starvation, a lot of the things that people in other parts of the world have to worry about on a daily basis. So, uh, and then I have good family. I have uh, my, uh, I had a great mom and dad, and I have uh, uh, two brothers and a sister, and, and we love each other. And I have four kids and a great wife. I got tons to be thankful for, and um, I, I've pursued my passions and um and the united states gives you the opportunity to do that and you can make things happen here so um you know so i have been uh, reasonably successful in um, music business and in education two d totally different fields but in some ways they're the same for me but uh you know so I pinch myself every day i got friends like you uh you know to me who's luckier than i am that's that's awesome. Thank you for that introduction. And I, I would like to give my my listener a little background of how I actually um, got to know Fred. But before we do that, Fred, can you if you can give just like a quick background of who you are and what you do, what your involvement is, and then that, that, that would kind of paint a good picture for me to talk about how I connected with you and how we developed the relationship. Sure. So, um, you know, I had two passions uh, in my life, kids and rock and roll. And uh, um, I uh, pursued both of them. And uh, part of the uh, rock and roll uh, piece was uh, this with uh, my life savings of $600. I started a, uh, uh, a hole-in-the-wall company called Daddy's Junkie Music Store and, um, and grew it from the smallest of over 11,000 music stores in the United States to the 15th largest in the country. And uh, so, uh, you know, I, I had my office up in Candia Road. And, um, and you know, whenever folks would, you know, come in, uh, we had a cleaning service come in, and, and whenever folks would come in and clean my office, um, they, you know, I would always make conversation with them, thank them for what they were doing, and, um, and just, you know, and try and be as friendly as, as I could. And and so one day, this kid, uh, how old were you, 15? I was, uh, I believe I was 14, 14 years old, yeah. Uh, and how, how did you get to, uh, how were you able to work legally at 14 years of age? Yeah, so um, I don't want to name the company because I don't want to get a company in trouble, <laughs> trouble. But a gentleman from my church had his own cleaning company 
And um, I was always tall and big for my age. So I started working for him like even younger than that. But um, he would contract me at times to say, hey, you know, we have this big post-construction cleaning. Would you be interested to clean and uh, kind of wipe things down? I was like, oh, this is awesome. Great. I'll make a little cash money. And then I went on to start working for uh, some cleaning uh, jobs that he had at a local university. So by the time I got to high school, um, he lost a man who used to work for him. So he said, hey, would you be interested to to start working with me on a regular basis? And I was like, sign me in. So that's literally how I started working for this cleaning company. So we would clean hospitals, um, new construction, old construction. And then he had his regular uh, clients that he would work with like companies. So daddy's was one of the places yep. where he, he was cleaning. So I yep. found myself walking into all these different offices and daddy's where Fred worked was one of the places to, um, that I would go and clean. And I just, I just remember how I was like, wow, this is a really cool spot. Look at all the instrument. And I definitely remember Fred's office. Fred's office was like a museum. There was all these posters of different bands, all this um, really cool memorabilia. But I do remember the first time I engaged in a conversation with Fred um, and it was just like, hello. And Fred was just, Fred was just so open to kind of, you know, learn more of who I was. And I just remember the way that he said hello back to me. I was like, wow, this dude, this dude is cool. And that's how it started. Yeah. Fred. And, and, you know, to me, it was like, it was the same thing. I was like, I started talking to you and I was like, oh my God, this kid's amazing. <laughs> and so, and, uh, so, uh, you know, that was a bunch of years ago, but, um, can know, I, can I just say something real quick? Um, sure. So for me, it's the fascinating thing was, you know, obviously working for a cleaning company is not like, it's not like a, it's not like a sexy thing, right? To be like, oh, I work for a cleaning company. Yeah. So, and, and, and there, there might be a lot of shame to that, right? Like to be like, oh man, I work for a cleaning company. But for me, I always knew that it was a pathway for that moment in time where I was in my life to earn a little bit of money so I can... Um, relieve my mom from not having to work harder so I always knew that you know it was just a temporary thing but I also was very intentional anytime I interacted or engaged with people while I was working as a cleaner to let them know hey I am this as you see me but I have other aspiration too you know I'm I'm passionate about this I'm passionate about that and I feel like when the opportunity was presented to have a deeper conversation with you in that setting, I wanted to make sure that you knew beyond just me being a cleaner that I had all this other stuff too. You sent me a letter. Do you remember sending me a handwritten letter? I did, yeah. I, I, I still have that letter. <laughs> so so um, years and years went by. I stopped working for the cleaning company. I just want to say one second, Dave. Yes. Okay. Okay, you were cleaning my office. Did I ever treat you like, oh, he's just cleaning my office? No, no, you you treated me like a human being. You showed curiosity to who I was and what my story was and where I wanted to go. I mean, I was a high school student. And I think for me, that's that's what made the impact. Right. Because I was like, oh, man, Fred, like every time I walk in, if Fred is in the office, we're going to have a little extra conversation. So to me, it was like, man, this dude is he, he values me and he's he, he's real. So that what that's really what gravitated for me to be like, man, I can I can I can talk to Fred. So that's what led to this next story where I stopped working for the cleaning company. And it was about uh, two years later, I 
I was a senior in, in high school and I started submitting letters to colleges and I got accepted to five different universities. And during this time, I decided that I was going to reach out to different community leaders to let them know what I've been able to accomplish and this decision that I have to make. And for me, it was about, you know, what can I learn from these different leaders in my community that could inform where I end up going? And I remember when I thought of Fred in my head that night, I was like, I, I got to reach out to Fred. I don't know if he remembers me, <laughs> but How I just know, I just know this dude was so cool. Like, I would love to sit down for lunch with him just to let him know where I am and this big decision I have to make of where, I, where am I going to go for, for, for college. So I wrote this letter <laughs> and I sent the letter out to Fred. So Fred, tell me, tell me what happened when you received this letter. Put a smile on my face, and um, it it, uh, it it showed me that uh, you cared about our connection, mm -hmm. and uh, which made me happy because uh, I always loved our interactions. And you know, I used to take you out back, introduce you to others, right? Mm -hmm. And, and um, so uh, I knew you were amazing from day one, and I was then, even though you were just a a teenager, a young teenager, um, I I knew then that you were a special young man that was going to do some amazing things and how lucky I would be if I had the opportunity to be a part of that. So, wow, that, that's, that's incredible. That's very incredible. And I, I would definitely like to emphasize on that because part of my, part of this podcast, it's about persevere to excel, right? It's about, you know, regardless of where you are in life, regardless of what challenges that you have, um, if you work hard and part of working hard are things like being resourceful, uh, um, utilizing the network that you have, building relationships in order to create that pathway that's going to allow you to get out of the situation that you're in. So, you know, I, I, I am very, very grateful of so many people that have played a, such an important role in my life. And, and Fred has always been there for me. So, um, yeah, when I reached out to Fred, like, and he, when he responded back, I was like, Fred, let's go out. To, let's go out to lunch. And when we went out for lunch, I literally sat there and just explained to Fred where I was and this huge accomplishment that I made, and and what he thought about it. You know, what what, what was going to be the best decision for me to take? Um, there was some colleges that were outside of New Hampshire. I told Fred that I wanted to stick around in New Hampshire for a couple of years because my brothers were still young and I wanted to be involved in their life and making sure to help my mom out. And you know, just being able to have someone to hear me out. It played a, such an important role. So thank you so much, Fred. I, I appreciate that. And that, that was the genesis of our relationship. And we've worked together and collaborated together and so many different things within the last couple of years. But I just wanted to, to really emphasize that. And, Great. I, and, and I just want to say thank you so much. Oh, thank you. All right. So Fred, I, I, I brought you here because, um, a lot of the folks that I work with, organizations that I work with, regardless if they're affluent or not, the human experience plays a, a very big part of who we are. Relationships, you know, success, struggles, who we are, our identity, our sense of belonging. And perseverance is such a, an important element of what helps us to move forward in life. So in, my, in, in our conversation today, I want to ask you, if you can think of you know, a time in your life where you had to persevere through something. What is it? And I would love to have you share a little bit around that. 
Well, I, you know, I'm a little older than you are, so I've, I've had some time to uh, accumulate some experiences that, uh, you know, most of my experiences in my life have been great, but uh, I've had others that have been challenging for me. And uh, uh, so, uh, I, you know, I would, I would say I started off as a terrible student. Um, I was the worst in my high school. I finished 206 out of 212 kids. And uh, I didn't know they were going to let me graduate until two days before graduation. And, and when I found out that they were going to let me graduate, it was too late to get a cap and gown. So I did not walk with my class. Oh, wow. And, uh, um, and out of high school, I applied to four colleges. I got rejected by all of them. And uh, my mom told me that uh, if you don't go to college, you're going to have a hard time making a living. So she scared me. And so it was like, <laughs> but I hate school. I hate school. I don't want to go back to school. So anyway, so I went to school nights uh, at Merrimack College to try and get my grades up a little bit. And then um, I you know, reapplied uh, to call to uh, um, Keene State was one of the uh, colleges that I um, had applied to. Uh, and... Um, and I got accepted, and um, I finished four and a half years later with a 2.3 GPA. And uh, so, you know, while I love the idea of the, the thought about being a teacher and being around kids, I hated school. And um, so, uh, fortunately for me, uh, I majored in science, and there were, you know, there's been shortages of science teachers forever. And so I was able to get a, a, a job teaching science. Um, I remember uh, years later, 1995, um, uh, Keene State gave me their Alumni Achievement Award. They give to one person a year, so they give 100% century of these things. Mm -hmm. So they gave it to me one year, and when uh, I went up to accept the award, I, uh, I I thanked the selection committee for not using my transcript as part of the criteria. So, <laughs> That's so, funny. Uh, you know, so, <clears throat> you know, um, but uh, I love being around kids. And, um, and that's always been important to me and I love rock and roll. And, uh, you know, so I was poor as a church mouse. So I got my teaching job in Connecticut. I was making $8,000 a year and, um, I was married with two little ones and, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't have any money. I had a mattress on the floor. Um, and at the, the latch to my refrigerator broke. Um, and so the door to the refrigerator wouldn't stay closed. So I had a, a chair up against it to keep the door closed. Um, so, you know, I was really poor. Um, uh, but I had in, uh, in college, I played in a rock band and, um, one day my lead guitar player came to band practice, told me he had a friend of his who needed bail money mm. and uh, had a guitar that he wanted to sell. And I knew the guitar was worth more than what he was trying to sell it for. Right. So I bought this guitar for the purpose of reselling it. And, um, and I sold it and I made $50 in 1966. And, uh, and instantly the clouds parted and the, uh, the sun shone through and the choir sang it was like oh my god i have to sell guitars wow and uh, so that's that was what ultimately would become the start of daddy's junkie music mm. uh, but i got a job teaching in stanford connecticut um eighth grade science and um and was selling you know musical instruments used instruments on the side to try and earn a few extra dollars and then one day i saw an ad in the uh 
in the Norwalk, Connecticut paper about uh, a place for uh, a space for rent for $75 a month, uh, including uh, some of the utilities. And uh, so I went down to look at it and it was in the second story, second floor of this three story building. The top two floors had not been occupied since the 1930s. And the landlord took me up the stairs. It was like a mess. It was just dust and dirt everywhere. He went over to the door and he says, $75 a month, you fix it. And uh, so he opens the door, which kind of was falling off the hinges. And I walked inside and a, a mouse goes running around the corner. Wow. And then there were piles of bones and feathers of dead pigeons that got in through broken windows and couldn't find their way wow. out. And then the, the ceiling was a plaster ceiling, but it was ha it was falling. The ceiling was right, like, right. if you hit the ceiling, your pieces would just fall down. It, it should have been condemned, uh, but it was uh, it was cheap. So I said, okay, I'll take it. And I went to school the next day and told my students that uh, Mr. Bramante's going to open up his own music store. Who wants to come clean and paint? And I'll take you to McDonald's. And uh, so... Uh, I would load them into my uh, into my van and call their parents, tell them what I was doing, um, and they would come and help me scrape and clean and paint. And uh, but today, <laughs> if I did the same thing today, they would put me in jail for this. Right, right. You can't just take a bunch of your students and bring them to your shop to clean your <laughs> no, shop. No, right. No. So and that you know and that was the original daddy's daddy's junky music. That was a junky music store. And right. Then, and you saw what it became. It became a pretty neat company. And uh, we had 21 stores, and uh, I'm very, very proud of what Daddy's became, And uh, but never got the education out of my blood, the, the passion for kids. So, so you know. So I have a question. So during the scaling, the scaling process, yep. right? So now you, you told us the genesis of how this started. Yeah. You, know, you, you described this room and what it was like, and you, you looked at the opportunity, and um, what were some of the critical milestones that allowed you to go from one store to, you know, over 21 stores uh, all over different places? I'm curious to know, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they might be doing well where they currently are with what they're doing. It's the scalability that it's challenging at times. So I'm curious to know from your experience, how did you, you know, how were you able to move from that, you know, from the next store to the next door? What, what was that process like? So I had, uh, I, you know, I'd never taken a business course. Mm -hmm. um, and it was just, I, I think that I was blessed with a, a, a good uh, dose of common sense. And, uh, and what is that? What, what's a good dose of common sense? Um, making decisions that, uh, that, that ultimately are the right decisions. And, um, and I mean, I think a lot of people, and I've often said this, common sense is not that common. I think a lot of people just make stupid decisions. And, and what, what informs a good decision, from your opinion? I, you know, um, I think that a significant piece of it is, um, is caring about the people that I surround myself with. And uh, that, um, and always build a, trusting relationship and 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 i think that that building that trusting relationship was the key to growing daddies mm -hmm. and that um that uh, you know daddies became a magnet for nice people who were also interested in um, being around music so um so you know and and i think that that one of the things for me and i wish i could 
inject this into everybody is just um, appreciate the importance of small wins and that, you know, they're doing something and then, you know, there might be a little bit of a challenge. There's, I mean, if you go into business, you're going to be challenged in lots of ways, right? Right. So um, just looking at challenges like, can I do that? Mm. Am I, I've never done that before. Am I capable of doing that? I, I'm going to try and we'll see what happens. And then you get a small win under your belt and it's like, wow, that feels good. And appreciating that you did something and it worked. Mm. And can I do it again? Can I do it a little bit bigger? And then always looking, can't I do it a little bigger and a little bigger? And always trying to stretch myself, you know, question what, um, what am I capable of? And, um, and I learned that I am capable of a lot. And, and it's, you know, it, it always struck me that as daddy started to grow, that people in the, the uh, community, uh, most mostly Salem, New Hampshire, um, um, they were recognizing that daddy's, daddy's was okay. Daddy's mm. was, um, you know, daddy's was a special place. And like they trusted it. Yeah. It was, it was like, wow. And uh, so I got, you know, I would get asked to be on like the, uh, the, uh, uh, police uh, department oral board exams, and uh, you know I get to interview folks who are applying to be officers, and I get to do all these community things that were really pretty darn neat. And and at first, I would think to myself, I guess that they don't know how you know that I'm not very bright, right? And and. Um, so a lot of self-sabotage, like you're, yeah, like you're almost be, talking down to yourself, even though you've, you've had all this proof of concept that things have Well, it was still, well. you know, early days and making some success, but, um, but still, you know, th that, those, um, uh, you know, my school experience was so bad that I, I had been convinced that I wasn't very bright. And I tell people that all the time, that, that school taught me that I wasn't very bright. Mm -hmm. Life taught me that school was wrong. And uh, so I've put so much effort into education in my life because, you know, I think that there's a ton of kids out there like me who school doesn't make them feel like they're anything special. And I am absolutely convinced there's something special in every single kid. And the goal is to figure out what that is and then take it to a great place. Right, and right. Uh, so, you know, I told you I had these two passions, rock and roll and education. And those were the passions that I pursued. And I, I did, I think, pretty darn well with both of them. And, you know, and when I go out and speak to, to, you know, adults or kids, I tell them the same thing. I tell them the trick to life is to find something that you would do for free mm -hmm. and then find out and figure out how to get paid for it. Right, right. And, um, and I think that's what you're doing, mm -hmm. you know, and um, uh, I, I think it's wonderful. But, I mean, I would, I would say that to everybody, you know, Find out that thing that you would do for free and then find out how to get paid for it. Thank you, Fred. So, so yeah, so I, I want to go back to it. So, um, so part of that perseverance, right? Un unfortunately, the way that daddy's conclusion occurred wasn't really um, under your control to a certain extent. So I, I would love to hear from your, your, your perspective. How did you kind of sift through that? The well, it was it was hard. The bank and I had a disagreement, mm -hmm. 
Um, this was 2011. Um, when in 2008, the economy hit the wall and it was... At that time, how many stores did you have total? Around 20. 20 stores. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it was... It, uh, it was, you know, unforeseen. I didn't, you know, I didn't see this thing coming. And how many employees under your umbrella during that time? Uh, I'm not sure at that time. I think the most we had was a little under 200. Okay. And um, and I used to pride myself on, you know, not letting, laying people off. Right. You know, that was uh, that was something that uh, that was important to me. I was like, I wanted people to feel secure in their job with daddies. And, um, and all of a sudden, you know, we hit the wall and trying to figure out how to keep the company together. Um, I, you know, I still think that, um, the bank acted prematurely, Mm -hmm. um, but it put us in a position where we couldn't keep the doors open and, uh, it broke my heart and, um, I had to tell a lot of people that had been with me for decades that they didn't have a job anymore. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. And those folks were almost as if family for you, right? It was family for me. You know, it's like when you walked into the headquarters of Daddy's, right on the wall on the uh, uh, on the left hand side, there was um, a uh, a platinum album award from um, uh, Sister Sledge. We are family. And uh, so I bought that because that's what it, that's what it was to me. You know, we used to do, we did things at Daddy's that, you know, companies just don't do. We did some wonderful things. So how did you deal with that whole process of having, you know, something that you've built for so many years that benefited so many different people and so many people that were under you that all of a sudden it wasn't going to be in existence anymore? How, how did you, how did you um, kind of walk through that? Well, it was hard, and I will say that uh, it, it's it's still hard every day in the sense that, uh, you know, it was like a kid. That was like m- my child, and, uh, you know, not as important as a true family member, but, you know, still really important to me. So, um, you know, I just, I don't, I can't dwell on it, mm-hmm. um, and uh, there's, did you ever see the... Um, the uh, movie, The Neverending Story. No, I don't believe I've ever seen it. It's a great it. movie. You should okay. see, especially you should have your kids see it too. It's a great kids movie. But uh, there's uh, one part, the young, uh, this young warrior, Atreyu, and he is uh, set out on a quest to save Fantasia. And he is told that the, the quest will take him many places. That, but one of the places that he is going to go to is uh, that he's going to encounter is the swamps of sadness mm. and um and he is uh, told that he who lets the sadness overcome him will sink into the swamp and um and i used to uh pretty much every year for a while uh there was a teacher in salem mr rose and i used to go into mr rose's class uh, just before a vacation and, and show the movie to the kids and then and then stop it every once in a while and talk to the kids about what does he mean by the swamps of sadness and 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 he who lets the sadness overcome him will sink into the swamp and 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 get them these were fifth graders but get them to understand that 
everybody has their swamps, swamp of sadness. Right. Everybody. Mm-hmm. And, you, you know, you deal with it, but you can't let it take over your life. You have to put it in perspective, you know, mourn the loss and and get on and get on with your life. And then, um, and, you know, it's, uh, I always, you know, when I talk to kids about it, I said, uh, you know, how, how are you going to be defined? Are you going to be defined by, would you be, you know, defined as a chin-up person or a chin-down person? Okay, Because a chin-down person, that's the person who lets the sadness overcome him. You know, the uh, a chin-up person is going to say, no, I'm getting through it anyway. And, um, and if, uh, um, you know, another part in the movie, uh, The Luck Dragon, uh, says to Atreyu um, that that you work hard and luck will find you. Mm. And um, and I think that that's fortunately for us there are those kinds of opportunities in in America. But I think you know what I talked to you about earlier about that whole thought of being nice to other people, being kind. If you're a good person, you're nice to others, and you are and you prove that you are willing to work hard, luck will find you. Um, People want to be around people that they like. So if you want to treat other people badly, I mean, to me, that is, that is, um, that's going to cost you somewhere down the road. That's going to cost you. And so you want to, uh, you, but you be kind to others. And it's not in every case, but in, um, in many cases, that kindness comes back in some way or another. Um, so, you know, I think those are the kinds of things you do to make sure that uh, life is going to go the way you want it to go. That's awesome. Thank you so much, Fred. And for our conclusion, I would love for you to, if you had to give a word of advice to someone that's listening or watching this podcast, that, you know, it might be, there's various of things in life that impacts people, right? That, that doesn't make them be at at, at whole, right, of who they are. So it's not always financial, right? There's so many different things. But what would you say to them to encourage them as a word of advice that, that could ignite them to take ownership and um, reinsure them or, you know what I mean? Give, give them that, that piece where they're like, you know what? I got this. Well, I think that um, if you want a job that in life, if the... If the um, profession that you would like to be in is something that nobody really cares about. Ah, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's something that's kind of cool, it's something that is that is special, and there's going to be lots of other people that are pursuing that as well, then you have to be able to look in the mirror and answer the question, why should they choose you? And um, and I think that what uh, what everybody needs to do is you know, doing uh, uh, that analysis of why they should choose me and do the right kinds of things. And as I said, you work hard and good luck's going to find you. Thank you so much. Uh, you are listening to Persevere to Excel blog with Deo Moano. And my special guest for today was Fred Bomonte. Thank you, Fred. My pleasure, Deo. Thank you. <laughs>